Welcome back in to the Chief Zone Podcast. I am back. Glad to be back here on the podcast. Glad to have you guys back here on the Chief Zone Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the little break from the Chiefs podcast as I've uh, I took some time off from the podcast, but now back, especially after a crazy week for the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot to talk about, a lot of activity going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. The front office definitely have their hands full, and next week certainly will be a crazy week when free agency opens up as the new league year begins. I'm Farzee Vasugan, your host of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. As always, you guys can subscribe to the show through iTunes. Click on the subscribe button and a new show will download into your library anytime a new episode is available. You guys can also like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Vasugian. You guys can follow me on Twitter as well, twitter.com slash farzine21. Uh, I'm going to be taking some of your guys' questions on Facebook. I posted a Facebook uh, post uh, earlier and I asked you guys, you know, what concerns, what questions do you guys have? What do you guys want me to, to talk about? Uh, as free agency is getting close, exactly uh, a week or less than a week away, uh, when uh, the new league year begins, it's going to be, I'll tell you guys the date later on in the podcast, and just exactly what we can expect from the Chiefs, and I'll go into that more on Monday's podcast. I'll have a podcast out Monday as well as we will preview free agency, and still some time for the Chiefs to retain any players that they did not use the franchise tag got a lot going on this week as Jamal Charles was let go. Eric Berry re-signs with the Chiefs to a new deal. Laurent DuVernay-Tardif, the right guard for the Chiefs, he got a contract extension. Kind of a surprising one to a lot of people, but I'll, I'll tell you why later on the show. Why that's not, uh, it shouldn't be at least a surprise once you hear some of these numbers. And the Chiefs, one of the biggest, the most recent development that came out on Wednesday morning that the Chiefs will not use the franchise tag on Dontari Poe. There, there, there was talk for pretty much all week that the Chiefs were going to use the tag on Eric Berry and let Poe test free agency. Obviously, the Eric Berry part of it changed, but everything with Dontari Poe, there never seemed to be any progress that... Dontari Poe and the Chiefs would come to some sort of agreement to keep him in Kansas City for at least the time being. So, as of right now, unless the Chiefs and Poe come to an agreement, he will be a free agent next Wednesday. We'll talk about that later on in the podcast. Uh, a couple notes. Uh, of course, I took some time off with the podcast. I actually did, I actually did a lot of things, uh, some some changes with the podcast. Uh, and of course, you hear a shortened version of Chop It Up, uh, performed by Morgan Gannon, which who you guys will hear from in just a moment. Uh, but a couple changes uh, with this, and not particularly for this episode, but starting next episode, uh, the podcast I will have will be available on different platforms, not just on iTunes. You can still get them on iTunes if you wish, but you can also listen to them. I'll have them up on my website as well as YouTube. So uh, I'm going to try to be Put, put the podcast out there pretty much as, uh, as any place as I can. I know they're available on certain podcasting outlets, but uh, I mean, there are so many of those out there. I'm not familiar with all of them, but I'm definitely going to put them on uh, on YouTube for you guys to listen to as well. If, if that's the source that you guys prefer, I know some of you guys have mentioned that. I also have it on my website as well, which I'm still working on developing. I'm making some changes to it. It's farzinvasugian.com, so you guys can take a look at it, but there will be some changes uh, and it should be finalized this weekend, but I'll have the podcast on, on there as well. Again, not this podcast, but starting next podcast, we'll start doing that. One other thing I want to make a note of and uh, make an announcement 
I'll still be doing the Chiefs podcast, of course, but I'm going to be doing a new podcast. Uh, you guys have heard me talk about MMA a lot in the Out of Bounds segment of the show, uh, but I will be doing an MMA podcast, and that's going to be called The Cage Zone. Yeah, I know. Pretty clever. Uh, I, I came up with that. Took me a while to come up with that one. But yes, The Cage Zone podcast. So for those of you who are big MMA, UFC fans, uh, also want to hear about Bellator, the WSOF, and other MMA promotions, I'll be talking about that on the new podcast. I don't have a date for when the podcast will be available, but it will be sometime this month in March. So for those of you who are MMA fans, please do uh, keep an eye out for the Cage Zone podcast. We will have that out later this month, available on iTunes, and I'll also have it as well as on my website and on YouTube, too. So you guys can listen to that podcast on those websites as well. And as always, I can definitely use your guys' help. So anytime you guys listen to the podcast, whether it's uh, on iTunes or if you're going to start listening on YouTube or on my website, anytime you guys can share, retweet, like, uh, whatever you guys can do on social media to help spread the word, always appreciated when you guys do that. All right, got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Kansas City Chiefs activity this weekend, the re-signing of Eric Berry, extending Laurent Duvernay-Tardif's contract, releasing... Jamal Charles, and for right now, letting Dontari Poe walk, and some important dates you will need to know. And plus, the salary cap has been set for 2017. All of that coming up next. Hey, fellow Chiefs fans, this is Morgan Gannam, the creator and performer of the Chiefs anthem, Chop It Up. I'll be making a major announcement soon, so be sure to follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash official and on Twitter at twitter.com slash Thanks for listening to the Chiefs Zone. All right, back here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. A lot to discuss as a lot took place this past week with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll start with the biggest story because this is the one that I think a lot of people had concerns about, especially with the way things ended this past July. The Chiefs unable to come to terms with Eric Berry. And and I, and I think so much was talked about how he overcame a lot personally and how the two sides, I, I, you know, what comes first? Is it is it the job or is it personal stuff I, I, I think it was so hard for fans to look at this and really pick a side here because let's be honest as fans we're always picking sides when we're watching the news I mean there's always there are always two sides to everything and and we pick a side and in this case it was really hard a lot of people went with John Dorsey and the Chiefs front office and that hey look good for them for standing strong despite everything Eric Berry had gone through especially in 2014 but also good for Eric Berry for trying to put a strong price tag on himself. Well, the two sides finally came to a deal, and I, I think one where really both sides are winners. Eric Berry receiving a six-year deal worth $73 million, $40 million guaranteed in that contract. And listen, obviously if you're Eric Berry, you're thrilled about this. Eric Berry was playing under his rookie contract up until, what, 2015? And, oh no, I took that back, 2014. Or no, 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 correction, yeah, it was 2015. Then they used a franchise tag on him for 2016, so this is his first time playing on a veteran contract. And, I mean, sure, maybe some people would consider the franchise tag a one-year veteran deal. Okay, sure, but this is an actual long-term deal that a veteran wants in the NFL, or in any sport, really. So Eric Berry finally getting that deal that he deserves, and he's gone through a lot the past couple of off-seasons. In 2014, of course, still uh, battling cancer, dealing with his health. In 2015, he was 
dealing with the contract uh, issues and wondering, was he going to play under the franchise tag? Would he have been traded? I, I think all those possibilities went through his mind, and his agent was trying to do everything he could to uh, help the two sides come to an agreement, which they weren't able to last offseason. But this offseason, Eric Berry, I, I mean, he's going to come to OTAs, he'll do his thing, and then he'll uh, relax for, for, for the spring and the summer. And good for him. He really does deserve it. It's a big money deal. So obviously Eric Berry is a big winner here. But the Chiefs are also a big winner. And Eric Berry, by the way, won the Derek Thomas Award, which is the team MVP for the Chiefs. And it was unanimously. Kind of surprising, too, when it's unanimous. And listen, I, I would have definitely given my vote to Barry. A lot of you guys asked me right after the season, who, who's the team MVP to you? And I said, no question, Eric Barry. Uh, I'll, I'll say it again. The interception touchdowns he had against Carolina and Atlanta, and he also had the pick two against Atlanta. Uh, he single-handedly helped you win those football games right there. And had he not done that, had we not had Eric Barry on this team, the Chiefs don't win those two games in which they don't win the AFC West, and I know Derek Carr's injury played a big factor in that, but also, you may have missed the playoffs without Eric Berry this season. Eric Berry was a huge part of Kansas City's success this year, and those two games, and listen, you were tied with the Raiders for first place in the AFC West with a 12-4 and record, and because the Chiefs swept the Raiders, and this this shows you how important division games are. The Chiefs sweeping the Raiders and going 6-0 and in the division allowed the Chiefs to win that tiebreaker right there, winning the AFC West. Now, of course, things didn't go well after that, but still, you Eric Berry put you in a position to get a playoff game at home and get a first-round bye instead of getting the number 5 seed and going on the road on wildcard weekend. So, I mean, really, if you're the Chiefs, you're also a big winner here because you're getting your best defensive player and a guy who really did put the team on his back in in, in situations where the offense just did not show up in a couple of games. Against Carolina, the Chiefs settled with all field goals in that game as far as offensive scores went. And in that Atlanta game... That Chiefs defense was nowhere to, or pardon me, the Chiefs offense was nowhere to be found in the second half of that game. Albert Wilson gets that special teams touchdown right there on that fake punt, and Eric Berry came away with a huge two-point score when the Falcons were trying to go for two after taking the lead against the Chiefs. So, crazy turn of events, and I, and I mentioned this before, the Chiefs essentially won that game because Atlanta scored to take the lead, and Eric Berry uh, pretty much, and I know we've seen defenses score two-point conversions ever since we've had this new two-point rule. It's been around in college football for a long time, but in the NFL, I know we've seen uh, defensive scores, but I don't think we have seen a defense take the lead on a two-point conversion and um, the Chiefs were really the first to do it. Kind of a crazy way to win a football game. And the Chiefs, of course, had many of those uh, crazy scenarios where they found a way to win a football game in 2016. And Eric Berry had a big hand in that. Uh, you, I think he's definitely worthy of that money. And the Chiefs end up keeping one of the best defensive players in the NFL. Easily the best safety right now in the league and I know so many people said well look we can just draft his replacement I said absolutely not uh there might be another Eric Berry in this draft class I don't know who that might be 
But even if that player was in this draft class, if there was an Eric Berry this year, he's not going to fall to Kansas City unless they trade up. So, I mean, sure, there, there is an Eric Berry out there. There will be tons of Eric Berries for years to come, but they're so hard to find, and you just have to be at the right place. The Chiefs had the fifth pick in the 2010 NFL Draft, and, of course, they took Berry with that pick. In order to get these kinds of players you just got to have a top five, top ten pick. And listen, I know there are some players who have fell through the draft. Uh, guys like Tom Brady, Ladanian Tomlinson, those are always guys, uh, names that are mentioned, uh, especially when it comes to late-round draft picks. But those don't happen as often. Dak Prescott, yeah, another guy. But look, he's only had one season, too. Let's see how he does for a longer period of time. It's it's really important that you, know, you, you use these draft picks wisely. And... If you score big on a player like Eric Berry, you make him a chief for life. And he will be 34 years old shortly after his six-year contract is over. And by then, uh, maybe he signs a one- or two-year deal and announces that hey he'll retire after that final contract. And, but for the most part, you will have Eric Berry locked up. And he could have even a better year in 2017. Who knows? But bottom line is, if Eric Berry does have better years to come, and if he does, watch out for opposing offenses. Uh, You just locked up a guy who's going to give you his best for the next six years. And that's exactly what you want if you're the Kansas City Chiefs uh, front office and if you're a Chiefs fan. I want to go to Laurent Duvernay-Tardif because this is the way, the Eric Berry one, we can all agree that Eric Berry certainly should have been in Kansas City. We all wanted to see him back. But a lot of people, you, you know, offensive linemen, it's so hard to evaluate them as fans and people in the media. Because, listen, I don't care who you work for in the media unless you're, you know, the, the uh, Mel Kuypers or Matt Miller scouts. So many people in the media pretend like they know offensive linemen, and they truly don't. Uh, you've got to do research on these guys. You you truly do. I, anytime I talk about a Chiefs offensive lineman, I, I, I'm, I'm firing up Google because I'm not going to pretend like I really know these guys. Sure, the eye test is one thing, but there's still some statistics and, and numbers out there that help you learn about an offensive lineman for sure. And there have been players, offensive linemen, who have been voted into Pro Bowls just based off of name recognition, even when they've had bad years. But Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, when he got that five-year extension, it happened before Eric Berry's deal occurred. And I think a lot of Chiefs fans were upset, wondering, where's where's the contract for Eric Berry? But now that the whole Eric Berry situation is over with, I think fans can come to peace with this. Me personally, I posted this shortly afterwards. This was a great signing for the Chiefs. I thought this was certainly a smart move on John Dorsey's part, a guy who had one year left on his contract, who, by the way, was a sixth-round draft pick in 2014 and has served the Chiefs well at right guard. Got a five-year extension worth $41 million, and so many people were upset about this. And I said on Facebook and Twitter, look, if you're upset, I'm going to throw these numbers out to you right now. In 2015, the first year he was a primary starter for the Chiefs, he had four and a half sacks, or allowed four and a half sacks, I should say. In 2016, this past year, he allowed two and a half sacks, so three total sacks, essentially. In the two years, last two years combined, where he has served as the primary right guard for the Chiefs, he's committed just nine penalties, so averaging four and a half penalties a year. Those are Pro Bowl, that, that, that's a Pro Bowl right guard there. 
And if the and if more of these statistics, which by the way I grabbed these from Stats LLC, Stats hosted, if there were more of these offensive line numbers out there for fans to be able to read and review, Laurent Duvernay Tardif is going to the Pro Bowl in 2017. Well, technically the 2016 year, but the Pro Bowl happens in 27. You you get what I'm saying? So this is by far a great move. On John Dorsey's part, getting that extension and locking him up to a fairly solid deal. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, and by the way, good for him. He's got another source of income while still going to school and becoming a doctor. Uh, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, he was in Canada when the Chiefs tried to contact him to do a, a, a media teleconference. Uh, so so you know that this guy, he's of course doing his job on the gridiron and also during the offseason doing his job uh, wanting to become a doctor and going to school, trying to finish up school. He mentioned that he would finish school in 2018. So uh, he's on pace to, to do big things with his life. And I think this is very great to see. Uh, we don't see a lot of play. Heck, I'll be honest. If I got a five-year, $41 million a year, I don't know if I would even consider school or, or, or a backup job. Uh, a lot of former players end up getting jobs elsewhere as coaches or analysts, whatever the case may be, because they were a former NFL player. They tend to get jobs easier than other people but for Laurent Duvernay Tardif he, he, he's out there working and he's got a backup plan in case he suffers a big injury or maybe even after his time is over in the NFL so good for him on his part and good for the Chiefs this is another great move for the Chiefs another A grade for John Dorsey being able to retain a great Pro Bowl caliber guard and despite maybe not being voted in he still plays like a better uh better really better than some of the Pro Bowl guards we see right now Let's go to Jamal Charles for a moment because this was, to a lot of people, uh, got a lot of people upset. And I'm part of that as well. I personally think letting him go is a mistake. I honestly thought that he could have bounced back this year, especially given the right treatment. But, and by the way, I know I'm coming off hypocritical because I've been strongly against having Tony Romo come to Kansas City. Both players have been dealing with injuries the past two years. So why is it that I would be so high of Jamal Charles, but not Tony Romo? Well, listen, I think the the big reason why is Jamal Charles is a running back. And listen, if he goes down again, that running back position is a lot easier to replace than, let's say, your quarterback. If your quarterback goes down... Do you do you really have a lot to look forward to? There have been very, very few instances, uh, such as Kurt Warner filling in for uh, for Trent Green with the Rams, going on to win the Super Bowl that same year. We don't see that as much in the NFL at that position. If your starting quarterback gets hurt, you still end up going to the Super Bowl. You just don't see that as often. So me personally, I would have been... Okay, gambling on Jamal Charles. However, I, I definitely think that the Chiefs and Charles should have come to a deal to restructure the contract. I'm guessing that was not something Charles was open to. And the Chiefs said, hey, look, we've got to part ways with you. There, there have been some late reports 
that have said that he is being evaluated by the Eagles, which is not a surprise because Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Eagles, was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs from 2013 through 2015. Uh, and, of course, uh, had that great year as an offensive coordinator and eventually a play caller uh, that season and lend, landed him that Eagles job. And he's, he's of course, got familiarity with Jamal Charles. So we'll see if he does end up following Doug Peterson and a couple of other former Chiefs, Chase Daniel, Aaron Murray, uh, on to Philadelphia. So we'll see what happens with Jamal Charles moving forward. But listen, I, I definitely felt like before the season, the Chiefs would have had him active in rotation whenever he would return, which eventually he did for a little bit. But I thought he would have been heavily active with Spencer Ware and Chuck Kendrick West, two guys who did not have good seasons. And, you know, personally, I, I, I just feel like you've got a wide open hole at running back now because Spencer Ware and West, yeah, they, they they did well in 2015 when they filled in for Charles, but after 2015, in 2016, those guys weren't really as good as 2015. So uh, we saw a, a good 2015 from those two guys and a not-so-good 2016 from West and Ware. How is 2017 going to go? I, I think that's going to be the big question, especially with an offense where... There's a lot of uncertainty under center with Alex Smith, and you've got a lot of great talent around you from you know, your tight end, Travis Kelsey, wide receivers, Jeremy Macklin, Tyree Kill, an offensive weapon, uh, a lot of potential in guys like Albert Wilson and Chris Conley. And when they've been used, you see the potential there. You, you see those guys making flashes, and I think if you can get uh, the right quarterback here, and me personally, you guys know my thoughts on Alex Smith now ever since that Pittsburgh loss, Really just what the Chiefs should be doing under center and how much a, a change at that position could really help the Chiefs moving forward. So, uh, listen, I mean, just because uh, nothing he hasn't been let go now, that doesn't mean anything can change. And by the way, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, for those who are still supporting Alex Smith, I'm seeing a lot of people say that John Dorsey said that he is a Chief and that Clark Connors came to his defense and so did Andy Reid. Listen... John Dorsey said in that same teleconference that he sees Jamal Charles as a chief for 2017. So uh, you you hear something from the from the general manager, the coach, whoever. That's one thing, but words to action those hold more weight than anything. So who knows at this point what's going to happen with Alex Smith? And I think the the jury's still out as to what the Chiefs are going to do. With the quarterback position, uh, of course, you guys know my thoughts. I've said this the past couple of podcasts before. Uh, I took a break as to who I who I think the Chiefs should bring in, and uh, you, you've got Deshaun Kaiser, Deshaun Watson. Watson's really the guy I'd love to see in Kansas City, but uh, you've got to. I think you've got to trade up to make that. But we'll see. The combine's coming up soon. Uh, of course, private workouts, interviews, uh, all that's going to take place, and that's going to really give people an idea as to where he could be taken, but. He's projected to go anywhere from the top five, even the number one pick, through the second round. And I don't think I've seen this since 2013, when Geno Smith was projected to go number one to Kansas City. Ended up going to the second round. So uh, there's a lot of uncertainty with uh, with Watson and, and his future in the NFL and where he's going to fall in the draft. But... To play it safe, man, I look, I, I think the Chiefs have got to trade up, and, and uh, maybe that doesn't even happen until draft day. So uh, we'll see what the Chiefs want to do with that. Personally, I thought it would have been a smarter idea to keep Charles to see if you can 
use him at straight bait to maybe move up. You know, use I don't know. I'm just throwing a scenario out there. You, you throw in Charles, you throw in your own first round draft pick, and trade with whoever's on the clock. Uh, listen, these teams, uh, their general managers on 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 draft day. In that war room, they're also investigators. They're out there trying to figure out who's about to get drafted and who is trying to get who. And uh, you try to move one step ahead of the next person as much as possible. So uh, it, it's crazy. Uh, it really is. But, you know, it, what's done is done. And we'll see what the Chiefs do at the position, especially with Nick Foles uh, cutting ties with him. You're definitely going to need a backup quarterback. But, you know, you, you go after a, a reliable veteran Who's been a backup for a long time in the NFL? Do you look through the draft? That's something that we'll talk about on Monday's podcast. Final note here. uh, Dontari Poe, who was... Who, by the way, of course, a nose tackle for the Chiefs, but also uh, spent uh, part-time as a quarterback, running back, fullback, tight end, wide receiver, uh, rush blocker. Uh, not retained, not the not tagged. They, they did not use the franchise tag on him. If they did, a franchise tag would have cost the Chiefs thirteen million four hundred sixty-eight thousand dollars, and that would have been the third third biggest cap number for the Chiefs in twenty seventeen, behind Justin Houston, who was at twenty-two point one million dollars, and Alex Smith, who's at sixteen point nine million dollars. So, I do think that money. Too much for a nose tackle. I've kind of gone back and forth on this. i got to be honest. But for the most part, I think it was wise to not use it on him. I mean, that's way too much money for a nose tackle who's kind of slipped the past couple of years. I know the back surgery maybe had something to do with it. But he still served his duty up front on that front seven. I I, I know people talk about Tom Bahali, D4, Justin Houston, Derek Johnson. Uh, but really, the most important player on that front seven is is the is the nose tackle? It's Dontari Poe. The way that he occupies not just one blocker but multiple blockers, and still finds a way to slip through to 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 get to the quarterback and put some pressure. Sometimes even putting him on the ground with the football in possession. Uh, this is a guy who's really done a lot for the Chiefs' defense since he was drafted in 2012. I know under Romeo Cornell didn't necessarily excel, but when to Andy Reid and his staff got here, Bob Sutton, uh, the defensive coordinator. We saw much different Ontario Poe, a guy who was certainly a strong candidate to win Defensive Player of the Year in the way that he was handling uh, opposing offensive linemen. So, and of course, that allowed guys like Tom Bahali and Justin Houston to have some of the best seasons of their careers. Uh, Tom Bahali, of course, got more double-digit sacks. We saw Justin Houston come half a sack away from tying Michael Strahan's single-sack season record. But for the most part, this is a... This is a, a player who I think really uh, could be missed. Yeah, sure. I mean, forget about the whole offensive part uh, of what Dontari Poe's done. That's just the Chiefs being more creative with some of their goal line formations there. But as a defensive player, this is it's, it's going to be hard to replace him. Now, look, I think the Chiefs have a great defensive line, even without Poe. When you have guys like Jay Howard, Allen Bailey, two guys, defensive ends who suffered injuries, you drafted a defensive lineman, a versatile defensive lineman, and Chris Jones, who, by the way, taken in the second round, certainly should have been taken in the first round, knowing what we know now, at least just from one season. But overall, this is a defensive line that I think can still get the job done and still produce 
uh, a lot of great things uh, on that front seven. You're still going to apply a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks, even without Dontari Poe. I just think having Dontari Poe helps you have a lot of depth on this defensive line. And of course, you know, what if Derek Johnson comes back stronger this upcoming season and Alan Bailey and Jay Howard can stay healthy? I think you have a much better rush defense in 2017 than you did in 2016. So I think that's going to be the part that maybe will hurt the Chiefs the most without uh, being without Dontari Post. I think if you have him, great. You have a lot of depth. And listen, I think today in the NFL compared to 10 years ago, depth is such an important thing on offense and on defense. You, you just can't have too many great players at certain positions. Now, yes, there's a salary cap, which we'll get to later, by the way. Uh, and it's hard to it's hard to keep everyone happy when you have great players. Uh, they're going to be pricey. Uh, they come with a pretty nickel, and you've got to do everything you can to keep your guys happy, pay pay them what they deserve, and uh, you've got to make sure you have a balanced team all across the board. And the Chiefs, yeah, they've they've got a stacked defense. They've got two Pro Bowl outside linebackers. They've got uh, I mean three total Pro Bowl linebackers overall. Uh, you look at the defensive lineman. Definitely, I mean, your only Pro Bowl is, is or could have, could be was Dontari Poe. We'll see how how things play out with that. But Dontari Poe, I mean, yeah, the only Pro Bowler, but still, there have been some great defensive linemen who've contributed to the Chiefs' success on that side of the football. And Jay Howard, Bailey, Chris Jones this year. So, I mean, the, you've got a lot of guys there. And, of course, with your secondary, Eric Berry and Marcus Peters being your pro bowlers the past couple of years. Eric Berry's been a pro bowler. Really, every year that Eric Berry has been able to play a full season, with the exception of 2011, the torn ACL, and in 2014 when he had some injuries and the health issue, uh, Eric Berry's been a pro bowler each year, all five years when he's played a full season. And I've got to say, I, I think the Chiefs could be seeing a strong number two cornerback, and some of the guys that they have right now. Terrence Mitchell, who was pucked up late in the season, we saw a lot of great things from him uh, late in the season, and Steve Nelson, great slot cornerback, filled in as well uh, at times as a number two, as a starting cornerback when needed, and uh, he made some big plays. He had that big pass breakup against Mike Evans early in that game against the Buccaneers, which helped the Chiefs have a a two-point loss instead. I know a loss is a loss still, but still gave the Chiefs an opportunity to win in the end, whereas if he allows that touchdown, uh, the Chiefs are playing from, uh, I mean, there's a bigger deficit, essentially. But overall, I mean, that, that wasn't his only game. I feel like he's been a better corner guy, too, this season. So uh, the Chiefs have a really strong secondary, a great linebacking corp, and a great a group of linemen up front on this defense. I mean, there's talent really all across the board. And for the Chiefs, you've got to do what you can to to, to keep all these guys together. Maybe you lose Dontari Poe, and that could be your only key loss. And if that's the case, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, sure, Jamal Charles would also be a key loss. But when you're releasing him, that's another thing. I do want to note, I don't want to get too much into this. Uh, We could probably get into it on Monday's podcast. But the Chiefs did sign C.J. Spiller, who... Did have a 1,000-yard season at one point in his career. Also had a monster game against the Chiefs in 2012 when he was a member of the Buffalo Bills. He's moved around a little bit, but still, he's got that speed under him. Uh, I know he's gone through a lot the past couple of years in the league, but uh, as far as his speed, that is still there. And if he's able to make the 53-man roster, that would be huge for the Chiefs. You could definitely use his speed and do a ton of damage on opposing defenses. And look, maybe the Chiefs get another running back out there. Who knows if Adrian Peterson 
is a guy that the Chiefs are targeting. Yeah, kind of a shocker, by the way. Uh, ESPN Stats and Info put out on Twitter. Uh, they put out a tweet showing uh, the top four players who have the best yard per carry average in NFL history. Jamal Charles is number one. Adrian Peterson, number four. Both were released on the same date. So kind of crazy to see that on Tuesday. But uh, yeah, who knows if the Chiefs have another running back in mind, whether it's Adrian Peterson or through a free agency or through the draft. All right, I mentioned a couple of important dates, but I want to get to this real quickly. The NFL salary cap set for $167 million for 2017. That's up $12 million from last year's $155 million. Now, you might be wondering, where do the Chiefs fall in this? I mean, how does this affect them? Well, they have $9.5 million to be exact, $9,592,207 of cap room still to spend. Now, who knows if you restructure another contract this this offseason or if you part ways with Alex Smith, that's definitely going to give you guys... In fact, I'll just do this right now. According to Over the Cap, if you do cut ties with Alex Smith, that then gives you $18.7 million. Very close to $19 million of cap room for 2017 to spend. And you can actually part ways with Alex Smith and not take a big cap hit. So that is something that I'm sure the Chiefs are considering. Obviously, they let go of Nick Foles, but you got to wonder, I mean, what's what's Alex Smith's future like? There, there are definitely some teams out there. Yeah, I, I, if, I, if I'm the New York Jets, heck, I'd be happy with Alex Smith. I mean, they, those guys definitely need a quarterback, and I think a trade certainly is not out of the question. There's no doubt that there could have been some uh, conversations going on. Who, who knows? I, I'm just speculating here, but... Uh, if you're the Chiefs, you've got to try to see if you can find a way to add more cap room and, and add some key free agents because you definitely need it on the offense. I think if the offense, truly, I think if the offense cannot go through so many three outs and if they can win the time of possession battle, the defense, there's not a lot of pressure on the defense. And even when there was pressure on this defense, man, they still came through and did not allow teams to light up the scoreboard. The Chiefs were only blown out once this year, and that was against the Steelers the first time they played. So the Chiefs really, defensively, I don't see a lot of holes on this team. Now, sure, you want to get some depth because injuries are part of the game. They're just bound to happen. There are some years where you just have some good luck and you barely have any injuries. I think in 2010, the worst thing that happened was the Chiefs lost Tyson Jackson for half the year and Matt Castle for one game. Other than that, you had a very healthy team and, you know, people say, you know, it's all skill, luck's not a part of it. Absolutely luck's a part of it. If you've got a healthy football team, you just have good luck there, and you'll take it. So for the Chiefs, if they can build a good offense and have a, just just a good balance on this football team, there's not going to be a lot of pressure on the defense to try to come up with all these takeaways and try to even come up with defensive scores, such as the Carolina and the Atlanta games. I mentioned a couple of important dates I want to get into. March 7th through the 9th, right before the new league year begins, teams have a three-day window where they can talk to impending free agents and their representatives and negotiate freely. So there's a lot of that that goes on. Sometimes during that time frame, we do see teams and players come to an agreement before the official signing, uh, before free agency officially begins, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, 
teams are allowed to do that. There's no tampering there. March 9th, at 3 o'clock Central Standard Time in the afternoon, that is when the new league year begins. And pretty much if you are Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, uh, Jason LaConfora, any of those guys, you're pretty much going to be on Twitter all day. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what their their job comes with the territory. On these kinds of dates, they're not on vacation. They're not they're not on the beach for spring break. They are at the studios taking all their sources in and getting ready to report all these new signings that are going to take place on that day. And hopefully the Chiefs are going to be active on that day. It would certainly be nice to see some key free, uh, free agent pickups on the offensive side of the football. I do want to get into some of your Facebook questions. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugi and give my Facebook page a like. I kind of posted this uh, short notice, so we got a couple of questions. So I had no idea if we would have ended up getting any, but some of you guys posted some questions on there. So we'll read a couple of them and uh, we'll read all of them. There aren't a lot, but uh, had I done this, maybe if I gave a a much longer time frame, I think there would have been a lot more questions. So we'll definitely do another one of these later on because I do enjoy interacting with you guys on the podcast. That's what what this podcast is about, interaction with you guys, the listeners. If you guys want to be part of this down the road, facebook.com slash Vusugi, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Jacob asked two questions. He said, do you believe the Chiefs will go after a QB in the draft? If so, in what round, and do you believe they can be developed? Uh, boy, that's so hard to say right now. Uh, I, I, I think you have to. You've, you've got to. Because, look, let's be real. John Dorsey's no dummy. Andy Reid's no dummy. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith. He's reached his potential. I think the furthest you will go with Alex Smith is a playoff clinch, whether it's as a division winner or as a wild card, one of the two wild card spots. You're not going to get any further than that. You've got to go after a quarterback. And listen, if you want, yeah, I know Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick. Great. You don't always get late round draft picks that become instant starters. If you want a new starter, an instant starter under center, you got to do it in the first round and you got to do it early. It's very rare that, uh, I, I, I just don't think Deshaun Watson falls in the draft. I don't. I think he's gone on the top 10. I truly do. I think after the combine interviews and private workouts, he's going to be a top 10 guy. There are a lot of teams in desperate need of a QB. And this is a weak free agent class with quarterbacks. So I think Deshaun Watson and several other QBs are going to be taken early in this year's draft. Jacob also asked, with a plethora of running backs on the roster, who do you believe will be the starter and why? To be honest, I don't even know if the starter is on this team. I guess the... Obvious answer, I know it's not the most exciting answer. It, it would be Spencer Ware. Uh, sure, C.J. Spiller, I think he's got he's got some a little bit left in the tank. We'll find, I'll get into this a little bit more later, but Tarkandrick West, I think he showed some good things in that San Diego game. Uh, the Chiefs were more uh, pass-heavy in that game, but uh, they still used him, and when they did, he looked really good. So I'd like to see him uh, get the ball more consistently. Niall Davis is a little, look like he's going to be back. Uh, even though he did end up re-signing with the Chiefs after they had traded him originally, and he went through all that craziness signing with the Jets at one point for 24 hours. But uh, listen, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think the Chiefs are going to want to find their new Jamal Charles because when they had Jamal Charles, he to- he tore it up in 2013. Yeah, he was that was the best season we've seen from Jamal and. Andy Reid knows how to how to really use running backs, especially when there's one with a lot of great speed and great explosiveness. And 
because of Jamal's injuries, I they just don't think they'll get that from him anymore. So I think the Chiefs might be out there looking for a new running back. Could be through the draft, maybe even in the first round of this year's draft. Jeremy said, what do you think about Sheldon Richardson, the former Mizzou uh, defensive lineman who's now with the Jets? Also says, I also want Watson, but if the price is too steep to trade up to get him, I've been thinking the past couple of weeks about trading up to get a to get Cook. I think he's going to be special. Listen, I, I just think with Deshaun Watson, and that's not to say there are other bad players. I, I, mean, I think there are a lot of great players in this draft every year. But with Watson, man, I mentioned this before, he lost twice in the last two years with Clemson. He lost by five points uh, two years ago, and that was in the national title game to Bama. And then this past year, when Clemson lost one game, they lost by one point. This guy is a winner. Yeah, sure, he may not have the best tools out of all the QBs in this draft class, but he's got that winning mentality. And I think that can still go a long ways. I truly do think mentality can can really be the biggest factor, even better than skills at times. Yeah, sure, someone might have the, the great skills like Andrew Luck did, but look at Andrew Luck now. When was the last time the Colts went to the playoffs? The Texans, who have had the worst quarterbacks the past couple of years, are winning that division. And look, don't get me wrong, Andrew Luck was great in college too. I mean, the mental part of it, being at Stanford... The guy's a pretty smart one, but uh, listen, Deshaun Watson's just so much used to winning. He is. Uh, but as far as Sheldon Richardson goes, I don't, I don't know. If they pass on Ontario Poe, I think they're happy with the defensive line they have. Kind of makes me wonder what would the price be from the Jets, uh, especially a guy who was a first-round pick. So I think the Chiefs are happy with their defensive line, and I think they're going to move forward with that. Last question, Joe says, will we get a QB, which I already answered. Uh, will we re-sign Poe? Uh, kind of alluding to what Jeremy said there. I, I, I'd like to think so, if the price is right, sure. Um, but I can also see Poe wanting a lot more money, so I don't think it ends up happening, unfortunately. I think Dontari Poe will move on with another team. Appreciate you guys' question on the Facebook page, and I wish I had mentioned this long uh, a long time ago. That way I could have given everyone more time to respond, but we'll definitely do these more down the road. Facebook.com slash Farzine Basugin, Twitter.com slash Farzine21. That's my Twitter. Follow me on Twitter and like my Facebook page. We're not going to do the Around the NFL, Out of Bounds, and Penalty Flag segment on this podcast. We will do it on the next podcast, however, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, I want to remind you guys again... Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. That's my Facebook. Give it a like. Interact with me on there. Or follow me on Twitter at Farzine20. Or do both. Why not? A reminder, you guys subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. The show, not this podcast, but the next podcast will be available on YouTube and on my website at uh, FarzineVesugian.com. And I will also be starting a new MMA podcast later this month, The Cage Zone. So keep an eye out for that as well. If you're a big UFC fan like me, which, by the way, the uh, UFC story I reported, uh, finally they made it official. They're coming to Kansas City for a UFC on Fox card. Stoked for that later in April. Very excited for that. appreciate all of you guys who uh, gave me positive uh, comments on the uh, breaking story there. So fun to have that out there. And uh, we're going to be talking more MMA on that podcast. So keep an eye out for that. I'm Farzee Vesugian. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs on Podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be back Monday to preview the Chiefs free agency.